0: Good morning, everybody. Um, uh, we've got a very special treat today. We're not going to have the normal kind of talk. I've got three people that are going to be coming up here and telling us a little bit about their story. Um, so, t- Tim, Lee, and Pippa, do you want to come on up? And um, let's give them a round of applause, shall we, as they come. Brilliant. Did anyone see Ben at the Brits, Ben Thatcher at the Brits, this Sunday? I mean, this Wednesday. Wasn't that exciting? I was so excited. Like, it was so... Can you believe that? Like, little Ben, he used to play up here, didn't he? On his drums, and there he was. Oh. Okay, guys, welcome. This is your microphone to share between the three of you. But welcome, all three of you. Now, this is what I was thinking. I was thinking, um, well, first of all, I'll just read the story that we're looking at, which is from John 6. So if you want to turn with that with me, that would be fantastic. But this is what happened. I mean, Joe has done a fantastic job. But this is what happened. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples, and the Jewish feast was near. This is... Um, Verse 5, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, and he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And he asked this only to test him, for he had already in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, eight months wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. And then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. When they had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over let nothing be wasted so they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten what an amazing thing that jesus took what i mean doesn't jesus always do this he takes what is ordinary and he makes it does the miraculous with it he takes an ordinary like loaves and fishes and he does something absolutely miraculous. And so what I really wanted to ask you guys is, I, I know that you've got such great stories to tell. Now, don't be passing it along to everybody, will you? Um, but what I really wanted to ask was, we, we really want to look today at what has God put in our hands? What's God given us? What's God given me to do? um what's God put in my hands just like that little boy had his lunch in his hands what's God given you and so I wonder if you can just tell us a little bit each each one of you a bit about your story and a bit about what you feel God's put in your hands and uh just tell us a little bit
1: about that is that all right Pippa do you want to go for it go for it I'm sorry if I cough and also sound a little bit like a man I don't normally sound like this um I think probably the time that I found this to be true the first time was when I was 19 and I moved to Manchester to do my gap year um, with a charity called The Message Trust. And um, I went up there to do a dance and evangelism course because dancing is what I love. It's what I'd done growing up um, and had the opportunity to go and do that, but also talk to people about Jesus and about God, which is The biggest passion of my life. So I went to Manchester and did my gap year, and then when I was there, um, they asked me to stay on and to join um, a girl band called Blush UK, which was probably the most random thing that has ever happened in my life. Um, So I said yes um, after much arguing with God um, and and began this journey with with the band, Blush. Um, and the whole point of the band was that we would use our gifts, so dancing or singing, um, firstly to, to glorify God, to do it for him, for do, to do it in a way that, that pleases him. My friends who weren't Christians described us as pussycat dolls with clothes on, which I quite liked. Um, so we used our... Our gifts and, and what we really enjoyed doing, um, to go into schools in Manchester, to go into different estates in Manchester and talk about God. So we used the fact that we could sing and dance and, and look like a girl band to get the kids on our side, to make them listen to us and use it as a platform for talking about what God had done for us. And for me, that was... Um, crazy because although I love dancing, I hated being in the spotlight. I, ha- I didn't enjoy being on stage and would never in a million years have had the confidence to even sit here and do this. But what I learned is that when we give God what we've got, um, he does do amazing things and actually puts us in situations where we feel completely out of our depth. Everything is totally out of our comfort zone and our control. Um, and he He comes through amazingly and miraculously. Um, and I think he does that so that the glory always goes to him. And so I could never take any praise for myself because I absolutely didn't do it in my own strength. I did it all in, in God's strength. So that's probably, yeah, the time when I learnt this lesson. Um, yeah, using what I'd got in my hand and God taking it and using it for something way bigger than I could have dreamed of.
0: That's brilliant. Fantastic.
2: Amazing. Can I have your autograph? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've got a story about when I was in a boy band, actually, but for another day. <laughs> um, I think for me, my, my first memories of having a sense of God giving you something was when I was a teenager. And I think for anyone here who's a teenager, it's an incredibly difficult time, in a sense, when you know there's coming a, a season in your life when one day you're going to leave your parents and move out and kind of make your own path in life and um, for me that was a difficult time of thinking well what does that look like and I think when I was a teenager um, around 14 or 15 years old God put something in my hands which was a uh, not even so much a gift in that uh, that time but was a real passion for music and for worship and that how that kind of worked its way out was that I started playing the piano a lot at church and you know one of the amazing things when I look back is that I gave my life to doing that because I felt God had given me something in my heart and uh, even now looking back you know I never had the most amazing gift so it's not actually about how amazing the gift is maybe it's more about the the passion and the desire and the commitment to use what he puts in your hands is more important than actually how amazing it is. And uh, I've certainly seen that on my journey where, you know, I committed myself to that because I felt God put that in my heart. And uh, amazingly, God was able to use that. And uh, my life had is a long story, but, you know, music flowed through it and that's the very thing that I've been able to do and it's also interesting that because I think I probably wasn't ever an amazing player but I did did love it and I did want to use what God put in my hands God put other people around me on my journey to help that happen as well and so even if you don't have it all God will put people around you and help you to use what you've got in your hands and um, then later on in life and many of you know my journey and you know a big chunk of that Journey was being in Delirious and in the band, and God being able to use me and what He put in my hands for that season, and then jumping ahead and coming out of that season um, was an amazing time too. Because when that came to an end, really a lot of things were stripped away, but I was still left with this thing that God put in my hands when I was a young person, and uh, I remember. Um, Becker calls it my Forrest Gump stage. You know that scene in the movie where he walks for months and months and endlessly. And I had this phase where the band had finished and you kind of wonder what you're going to do with your life. And uh, I used to do all this walking all the time, grew a beard like Forrest Gump, I was walking 10 or 15 miles a day for two or three months. And I know it's about 15 miles because I often used to walk from home to Worthing Pier and back. Just spending a lot of time with God and going. You know, going through what's life going to be like, and I think I quickly came to the conclusion that there's nothing really more you can do with your life than use what he's put in your hands. And uh, I'd heard, you know, over the years, we've all heard a lot of talks about being very radical and stepping out and doing this and that, and I think. For me, the most radical thing you can ever do is to use what he 's put in your hands and uh, and the most radical thing we can ever do is to be obedient too so life 's not about being radical it 's about being obedient, saying, "God, what have you put in my hands and um, And I think you know we we had been touched at that time as well in the in the latter years of the band going on. We'd uh, travelled a lot and uh, had amazing privilege of taking the family and the children to places like Cambodia, and I've been to India many times. And you know, probably a bit late late in life. Uh, You know, a lot of people have these experiences early in life, but finally caught up with that thing where God touches you with that heart of compassion for people. And in many ways, everything in me wanted to say, "Well, let's forget what we're doing now. The band's finished. You know, let's go and live in." some needy developing country and just help people because your heart says that. But actually, when I looked at things, I thought, well, what has God put in my hands? In fact, if I went and did that, I'd be useless. I'm terrible at DIY. I'm terrible at practical things. Um, You know, it wasn't going to work to take children to a hot country at this stage in life, all that things. But I think, well, what has God put in my hands? I've got a heart for this, but what's in my hands? And And in my hands by that time was all the... All the history of being in the band, of having lots of relationships around the UK, and having lots of relationships with all these other bands and worship leaders that we've met over many years. And I thought, wow, what if we could gather all these people together, all the churches that we know, all the people that we know that could come and play, and out of that was born the kind of big church day out thing. And you know, out of that, and we, this is the, the great thing about the uh, loaves and the fishes story—is not only did the boy take to Jesus what he had in his hands, Jesus multiplied it. And that's the amazing thing. So when you give to him what you've got in your hands, he'll you multiply that. And, you know, for me, that passion and the compassion for wanting to help people who have nots is still incredibly there. And as a result of doing the Big Church Day and using what I have in my hands, now we've been able to raise, some, raise something like five or six million pounds in the last five years of commitment of because we've been able to get everybody together and say, let's do this together. So, you know, I think that's what I would say is just st- step out, be obedient, and, uh, you know, allow God to multiply whatever you've got in your hands.
0: Lee, tell us, tell us your story. Well, um,
3: my story over the years has always struck me as something that's um, probably the opposite to most of the stories I've ever heard when I've been part of church. Um, my, my early life, I've been very, very fortunate. I've had... Very privileged, really. I have... Um, my family are very wealthy. Um, and I... Was growing up, enjoying everything that every other child would have wanted. So, um, so that's where I always think my story starts from a strange place, really, not from a story of little, but from a, the side of a lot. So, um, when I, so as I got older, I was just you know there was more and more and more and more. But um, I made a big decision when I was about 18, 19, that um, I'm the youngest of my family. Well, obviously not now, but um, I was the youngest at the time. But um, my brother and sister, cousins, uncles, were all working for my dad. And I made this big decision that I didn't want to do that. For some reason, from quite an early age, accountancy had called me. (laughs) I don't know why, I don't know what that call was, but I always wanted to be an accountant. I always wanted to... I love numbers. So I presented this to my dad, saying, Dad, you know, they they were really pushing me into going into what everybody else did. And um, it would have been a really easy meal ticket, to tell you the truth, but I said at the time, I was with Amanda at the time. Amanda and I have been together donkey's years. So, <laughs> with, uh, with her push, I said, you know what, Dad, I'm not going to do what everybody else does. I'm not going to do what everybody else follows it in. I want to do something for me. So, he found that incredibly, incredibly difficult to accept and um, kind, and really um, just left me to it. So, what, the, what that means in my world is not receiving... Any help or leg up or assistance in any way. So, what I remember. So that was at that age quite a hard a hard time for me because I had my brothers and sister. They were all receiving houses and you know everything that the world at that time was saying this is what you need, and I wasn't receiving anything. And um, I just remember it's really hard studying all the time, having very Very little. Um, Amanda and I didn't have the best start because we were living together at the time, (laughs) and um, I we just carried on with with our life. But it was very very difficult for a long time. But um, I remember I remember in 1994 I qualified as an accountant, and um, Amanda and I got married the same year. And I remember I clearly remember what I said to God in the lounge of our tiny little house, was, do you know what, God? If this is it, if, you know, I've got, I've got my girl, I've got my house, and I've got my job, and if this is it, I am, thank you. I am so, so grateful. And um, from that moment, I just felt God just, I've never, I've only ever looked back to that day as the day when everything, when every step I took has been forward. So...
0: Um. we're in this journey when did you become a christian during that time
3: um amanda and i were living together at the time and um we both became christians within quite a short time of each other when we were about 21 and um yeah so it was i i think god let it sounds very shallow but i think god let me be stripped of everything that i had that had been shown to me as what you needed In order for him to come in and show me what I needed. And that's been my story.
0: It's brilliant, amazing. Um, I was also really interested um, to think about what, for each one of you, what has been the attitude that you have looked at and most admired and thought. That's really what I want to adopt in my life, that attitude. What, can you? Have you got any thoughts on that?
3: I, I'm constantly amazed by my wife, and um, I have been thinking about that. Um, sometimes I find it very difficult. It's the side of her that I find very difficult to accept because it gets really annoying. But um, <laughs> I would love, I, I, I would want her capacity to love people. She's amazing at doing that, amazing
2: all people. Um, I think one of the most amazing things which I'm always reminded of and, in fact, choose to remind myself of all the time is this whole thing, going back to even the story today with the little boy with the loaves and the fishes, you know that thing that I would find the greatest paradox of all in the whole Christian journey and is is this whole thing that you know if you think with that little boy that God didn't need that little boy at all. And God is God and God is bigger than all all, all of us and our conversations, our relationship he's he, you know, he's the creator and the beginning and the end and he is God. And um and he can just, you know, do, do whatever he wants at any moment in time. But the greatest paradox of all, isn't it, is the, f- the fact that he chooses to use us. And like with a little boy, he chose to use the little boy with what he had in his hands. And uh, I think that's the most amazing thing. And I think God puts something in your hands and, uh, you know, on one sense we hold it incredibly lightly because God doesn't need us. But but you have to kind of, you want to also cling on to it, knowing that what an amazing thing that he chooses to use you and even puts things in your hands to get the job done. And uh, that's the most amazing thing, I think, all the time.
1: Um, One thing that I've really admired and have tried to kind of imitate in my life is is people who have a total dependency on God, and you know, in in prayer life, and um, I guess just always trying to be connected to to Him and to what He's saying, and that's something that my dad modelled really well. Um, I used to come down in the morning and find him praying, and he had this prayer journal. And I remember from being about twelve, and um, I thought, oh, I'm going to be like my dad. I want, I want to need God so much that I can't go into the day without him and so yeah just that dependency and that humility knowing that you know we can't we can't do anything without God and like Tim said but he does choose to work with us and that's that's incredible so um yeah and wherever life takes us then if we've got that dependency on God whether we are in a girl band singing to loads of people or or well, we're not anymore and, and we're working in a different place, that dependency on God doesn't change. And yeah, for me, it's just that. It's that remembering who God is and, and how much we desperately need him for anything.
0: That's brilliant. And um, I have one last, one last question, and that is, um, what do you think that God has put in our hands as a church?
3: Um, I... I, I, would, I'd, I would love to be part of a very courageous church. I, I think courage is an amazing thing and I, I think it's in all of us. Um, I remember when I started my firm, uh, I was really worried about whether I was making the right decision because I was, I was letting go of everything that was stable and taking on something that was not. But um, I remember somebody saying to me, that our pastor at the time said to me, look, if you want God to bless you, give him something to bless. And I really took that on board and I've always been, you know, I, I love courage. And I just think this week I was talking to somebody, a client, who has been really struggling with their business. They're very, very successful, very successful woman. But um, she really couldn't get this this business to work. And it's quite a high profile one. A lot of people would have heard of it. But... Um, she was saying to me, she said, "You know what? I've, I've thrown everything at this business that I've thrown at everything else, and nothing's worked. Nothing's worked at all. But suddenly, I put, I bought a new gate, and I just put the gate up, and we now can't cope with all the work. And she just, and I just thought, well, that's really interesting. And I think we should, as a church, take some of that on board—not about buying gates, but about." she had thrown everything she could at it and it was one thing that worked and I would like us to be a church that tries ten things and one is amazing but we just accept the nine failures rather than wanting to say everything's got to hit the mark and we don't, you know, we think what's going wrong but I think we should try that sort of equation Um,
2: This week actually Beck and I were at a consultation at London School of Theology with some very learned people and some national leaders in the church and interesting we were discussing some stuff about church and I was reminded you know a lot of people were easily get into a conversation about what they like and don't like about church and what works for them and doesn't work for them. And I think what we have that's unique to us, not everybody understands is that, you know, there's this quote, isn't it, we've all heard that people say the church is the only organisation in the world, the people group, that exists for the benefit of those who aren't members of it. And I think that's something that we're understanding more as a church, and I think that's something that we have. And out of that, the understanding, this isn't all about us and our likes and dislikes, this is about a community that we live in, and the people who aren't yet even part of what's going on here this morning if we can understand that that's an amazing thing we have which will enable us to run with a passion with the things that God puts in our hands and a generosity to give away to others because we understand that you know we're not here just for our own benefit on a Sunday morning
1: Um. What I think amazing about, that is amazing about this church is that we've got people of every single age group and there's, there aren't many other organisations or clubs or whatever that would, that would have that. So we've got this huge reach into the community and that people will identify with any of these age groups and, and people of our church. And for me, the ones that really catch my heart are the teenagers and the young adults. And I just wanted to take the opportunity today to say to the teenagers and the young adults you have got such huge potential and don't ever limit what you're doing by not knowing who you are or not knowing who God is and if we um, just give all that we are to God um, he will use you in amazing and incredible ways. So what we have on our hands as a church is a group of young people who are full of life and energy and character and talent. Um, so we need to pray for them and encourage them to step out in who they are, in the places that they find themselves to be all that God has called them to be.
0: It's absolutely brilliant. Thank you. Let's give them a clap. I mean, I think Tim and I were talking about this this week. We, we thought we're probably the... Um, we couldn't think of another organisation that... Um, we're really, we're all people that love Jesus. And every Jesus loves the rich and the poor. He loves the people that come from a great place and the people that haven't. He loves absolutely everyone. And we're all here. Because Jesus... Now, where else is there? If you went, say if you went to a yachting club or somewhere, they'd be normally... They'd be all the same sort of people, wouldn't they? You'd have to have a bit of money to do yachting, I suppose. And, and most places that you go to, they're all the same kind of people. Uh, but here, church... Isn't it just brilliant that we can meet because we all love Jesus and we're all from a completely different places. It doesn't matter. He he loves us all. What an amazing thing. We couldn't think of one other thing, could we? We thought football, didn't we? But that's mainly men, isn't it? Well, so football is kind of a bit like that, but church, what an amazing thing church is. So thank you guys so much.